Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody. We are live. Hi. This is CLCI Certified Life Coach Institute. I forgot where we were. There's so many crazy backgrounds going on at the moment. Um, and uh, we are going to be talking about stuff that Jerome's going to tell you about because I'm not doing it this week. <laughs> um, I want to remind you guys to like, share, comment, all of that good stuff. Uh, we are monitoring comments. I'm going to turn it over to Jerome, introduce everybody, and I'll introduce myself later. <laughs> so, as uh when I passed over the gavel to me, I'll go ahead and let you guys know, just we'll touch on it. Um, we were discussing prior to actually going live, we think we're gonna go ahead and freelance. It's been a little while since we've had a mm -hmm. bit of a freelance floor. So we're excited to go ahead and tap into that. Um, this is, uh, we'll, we'll call this the pregame to Brooke's birthday. We want to let you guys all know, you'll be hearing about it, of course, throughout all our platforms tomorrow. It is Brooke's birthday Eve, so we're excited to have her. And we just, Gonna have some fun with her today so we will be speaking about uniqueness and authenticity and really wherever our brain goes from there is where we're going to take it so uh, my name is jerome we're happy to have you guys here and i will let the rest of the crew introduce themselves with whoever wants to take it first well, have it. and nobody volunteers until you call their names all right there you go lisa's turn but i'll volunteer guys lisa welcome we're always grateful for your uh, participation with us as we do our lives uh, you help fuel some of the most interesting directions we go with this please be doing that today as well as we talk about how we're unique in coaching marketing and, and the like thank you for being here dan hi thanks for that throw just that silence was like the crickets i hear on a friday morning of day one of like hey what do you guys think <laughs> <laughs> now I know how it feels. That sucks. Yeah. Um, I'm Dan Alexa, lead facilitator instructor for Certified Life Coach Institute. And I I will embrace my inner weird over the course of this conversation and let it come forward. There's lots of stuff to share in that space and how to make things different. I'm in denial about it, just saying. Being weird? <laughs> and fly your Here's I'll go now. Uh, hi, my name is Anthony Lopez. I am the content writer and editor and etc. etc. Pirate for CLCI Pirate. Live. Uh, <laughs> and I will be making uh, weekly joinings with uh, CLC Live now. So I'll be a regular <laughs> part of the broadcast and yeah. I'm embracing my unique pirate self. <laughs> yeah. That make you the right R. Yes. <laughs> it, does. it does. It most certainly does. <laughs> Did I do the voice the whole live? As long as I, you have the hat on, I think you have to. No, okay, I'll be doing the voice. <laughs> I won't be doing that. It's going to hurt. I'm going to lose my voice by the end. And I have a pirate I have several pirate jokes, but we won't go there. <laughs> Lisa? It's your turn. Is it? Right. You, did you already introduce yourself, though? I did. Yes, she did. I, I missed it. My turn. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Brooke. I am a chief operating officer at Certified Life Coach Institute, and I am a weirdo. <laughs> 
Well, I can attest to that. I'm sure. We'll <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I think um, we all are. We'll probably talk about that. And yeah. So what makes you guys weird? Birthday tomorrow. Yeah. So everybody, one, two, three. And we're not going to worry about if we can hold a key. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday dear Brooke, dear Walters, Happy MCPC. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. you. And many more. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be including that in the blog post as well. You know, the whole song? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. I'm shy. I'm shy now. I'm very shy. <laughs> um, so what makes you guys weird? You <laughs> are singing because none of us held a key really well. It's <laughs> a key. I have no idea what a key is. It's a key. It's the thing that goes in the door, right? Exactly. Well, I don't have that anymore, so I'm not sure I'm aware of that. Mine's a keypad. <laughs> that makes life easy, right? <laughs> Especially since you're absent-minded lately not you me specifically anyway so our inner weirdness what makes us unique in our coaching and or marketing or anything i, I mean we can get real here yeah <laughs> personally i think what makes me weird and i've heard it um from those around me uh i am a sandal guy and what? i will sandal so sandals i'm a huge fan of sandals oh i love them to the point where i will take them to the snow sometimes even where uh i just refuse to wear shoes sometimes um, not that i don't own a pair of shoes or anything like that i just i, I very much enjoy free toes that's that's I think, our listeners I think please donate fun. a pair of shoes to jerome <laughs> <laughs> there's several stores that are buy one get one free even <laughs> i've seen him in shoes though he's got nice shoes yeah no that's yeah, a nice shoes <laughs> Yeah, I've, been, I've been trying to, to grow up a little bit. I think bit Jerome was wearing pink shoes. pants the first night I met him. It was, no, it was a pink shirt. It was pink. Something on him was definitely pink. <laughs> pink shorts right now. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> Maybe that's what makes me weird is my fashion sense. I'm not very, I don't look towards anything uh, in particular to replicate. I like to kind of honestly freelance it just as we're doing this right now. Um, I love thrifting. Thrifting's awesome. Thrifting is awesome. Yeah. Hi, Jennifer Schneider, by the way. <laughs> um, Good to see you. Hello. So in, in marketing, what the way oh. that that could be a benefit is that you're- We have to talk about work now. <laughs> back to work. <clears throat> is that you're a very comfortable, laid back, down to earth kind of person, has no pretension. And a lot of um, clients, potential clients, want to work with someone that's not a stuffed shirt and what, what their mind is. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we think about marketing, how do you highlight that in a marketing concept? You take pictures of his feet. There you go. <laughs> no, if I were not marketing we're not trying myself. to market to those clientele. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> um, well, okay. So we're going to off. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> if we're going to talk, I mean, if we're talking marketing. I mean, of course, I mean, yeah. being able to, to, show Jerome as being uh, laid back and, and that kind of person, we would we would then just build his brand to that sort of, sorry if you hear the thing, uh, to that theme, to that um, feeling, if that was what he wanted, of course. Um, and we would put that foot forward, like Dan in his, his Hawaiian shirts. 
<laughs> that is strangely enough a big part of my brand it is i know <laughs> between between the tommy bahama shirts and the robert graham shirts there's the laid back lifestyle brand and then there's the upscale robert graham and which one do you get yeah, well, we <laughs> you kind of know which one is showing up depending on what shirt i wear we were having a talk about this recently about how you're doing a talk coming up here soon and and you were like debating what do i wear do i wear a suit do i not wear a suit and it was a, it was of importance and um i think i said don't wear a suit don't do it like oh, i mean you can wear at least if you're gonna we can wear a suit jacket but don't do the tie keep it unbuttoned roll up the sleeves keep that or feel suit so with a hawaiian shirt underneath i have a feeling i'm going full on robert graham for that one we'll, we'll do the robert graham shirt with the turned up cuffs yeah, and the contrast and nice yeah mm -hmm. yep. so good. knowing that about yourself what is that how are you marketing who you are to your clients what does that mean the the thing that i'm thinking of in this space is actually a little bit slightly different because mm -hmm. um, the robert graham shirt speaks to the higher level client who's I've they're super that. expensive shirts okay. that's all i'm going to say and i don't spend full price for them i'm going to say that too <laughs> they're incredibly expensive okay um but there's parts of my website that's in redesign right now where I'm wearing the Robert Graham shirt to stand out because they're really stylish. And there's others where I'm more laid back and casual depending on what the tone of the page is. But in this whole space of what makes my friend Hayden, who's an MCC coach here in um, Los Angeles, he has a phrase, what makes you weird makes you money. Mm -hmm. and find a way to embrace your inner weird and bring it forward. Um, the, the coach that I hired last year in our very first meeting is we're developing rapport. He says to me, what, what don't you want me to know about you? Mm -hmm. And I felt safe enough with him to share a thing that I don't talk, particularly in professional circles, I don't talk about it a lot, which is I grew up in a house that was haunted. And I used to hear people calling my name, all kinds of weird stuff. And I, so there's this spiritual side to my business coming from all that from a kid. And then there's the business side of my business, which was me and sales and marketing and everything else. And I always treated them as two separate things. And he sat, listened to it. And at the end, he's like, asked me this really incredible question. It's like, so if I reflect this back to you, what do you hear? And just through his reflection, and adopting the word magic into it. it's like you know magic is th seeing things that other people don't see and suddenly these two separate spaces came together for me and i fully embraced that part of myself that i had always said was something else mm -hmm. um, my ability to see systems and just understand how things work and that's that's part of what makes me weird now it it's the angle going to my clients of what are you not seeing that i can help you see and that's, I mean, and that, again, that's, I think what this speaks to is us being whole beings. Cause I think the reality is in truth, we aren't all that weird, right? We are all very alike and we all have our bits and pieces of ourselves that, that, you know, we, however, for some reason have been told that's weird. Don't show that to the world or, you know what I mean? Or, or that should be kept here. That should be kept there. Let's keep those separate. You don't want that. Um, but the re I mean, in truth, we all have those things, right? We all have those moments. Um, and that's, that's important. Jerome, I see you wanting to say something. Yeah, no, I just, I just want to say before you move away from using the word weird, because it seems like we may, what makes CLCI weird? You think 
oh, three days. Oh boy, does three days make us weird. <laughs> the many conversations I've had about three days. <laughs> I think the other thing that makes us weird and stand out is that we have prided, prided, I know it's not a word, but <laughs> been proud and pr pride driven in the process of being vulnerable. It is important for all of us when we are together, when we're teaching, when we're um, participating with our learning even, that that vulnerable piece is what helps everyone learn together, that we are not, um, what's the word? We're not above anybody else. We're right there in there learning with you, just like we're teaching you, you're teaching us at the same time. I've been through a lot of different trainings where that's not true. And so I don't know if it's true how many trainings, but I think we are unique, weird, because of our ability to connect, really connect. I, on that note, I think also what makes us weird is I mean, what, what it's many times where I have gone, hey, I apologize for this. And then it was like, stop it. It's like we don't have territory, uh, really. Like everybody's sort of like, come on in. <laughs> um, let's help. Let's see how this goes. And um, there's like this this very open vibe there where people aren't like out getting offended or being competitive. It's everybody's sort of supporting one another. And that is not something you find in, uh, in, in a lot of businesses. <laughs> um, Usually there's some competition type things going on. And I feel like here that we are actually in support of one another um, and we want better and best and to help each other more than anything. So and in yeah. that vulnerability space that Lisa was talking about, I remember, I can't believe it's almost two years ago that you and I taught the our first level two class together in Atlanta. And when we were doing, I don't wanna give it away for those who haven't taken level two yet, the powerful exercise on Saturday morning, um, and as we were as we were leaving the next day, sitting in the Atlanta airport, you you said, "So I felt like you were holding back during that." I was because I'm standing in front of the class. I'm supposed to be a teacher, and she's like, Lisa's like, "So I invite you, like, go there the next time. Feel be comfortable. Go there. See what happens." And I've opened up to that more and more now every time, and just that ability to feel safe in front of the class and just own it that I don't have to be, I don't have to stop at some point. If I start to break down, it can just let it flow and then pull back in. Not, I mean, I, oh, go ahead, Lisa. When we're in that space <clears throat> and, the, and students are learning in that space, I'm a little emotional because I remember that and it was a beautiful experience. <clears throat> and when we're in that space of sharing what we're learning I mean, what we're teaching, what we're learning too, what we're teaching to be able to jump in that vulnerable place and not have to have that higher space allows the student, at least that's my experience, to trust themselves and be more okay with not doing it perfectly. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as perfect, <laughs> uh, but they all want to do it perfectly. They all you know want to learn as much as they can learn and i think that just helps open everyone up as well anyway. jennifer snyder sorry says uh, i dress a little funky i'm super outgoing approachable really uh really try to be myself unapologetically that's what i try to communicate on my website and social media pages and she said she loved the training by the way and uh, she felt safe and able to ask questions so yeah 
<laughs> there you go. Exactly yeah. what that does. And that's what, so being vulnerable takes some, some, I'm just gonna say it balls, quite honestly, <laughs> like, um, being willing to do that and, and to, to show those soft spots. And I mean, that's that authentic thing. Like it takes strength. It takes, um, uh, honesty. It takes, uh, you know, you just have, it's a willingness that you have to just sort of show this part of yourself that most people keep protected. And, um, but when you do, you can create a tremendous amount of, of, connection and trust with people um, it's authentic love it's authentic love in the moment yeah and that's yeah go ahead dan in that same space what makes us unique is the training comes from a very heart-centered place um i've been through other trainings with other organizations and particularly their 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 initial modules are very cold and regimented like learn the system learn the system learn the system and there's not the the flexibility and openness to really own the system in an emotional way where while we still have a structure it's more free and open to come from the heart in those engagements with clients I will say, I mean, outside of the system, even in our own, the one really amazing thing is, and this it, it, it spills over into the classes, it permeates throughout, but it starts, I think, here with the people that work here is that what we do, and maybe we share how we do this, is one of the things that I guess it comes from being a coach and being around people who, who have spent a lot of their lives trying to figure out who they are and how to help other people. And also who embrace their own flaws and their own, um, you know, their own failings, we'll say, and also see and understand that everybody has that in them and, and puts the, the, the best faith, I guess, and hope in people. So a lot of times in other businesses, when there were moments when, when something would go awry, somebody would be like, you know, hard line, this is who they are, this is what's going on, blah, blah, et cetera. And that's just how you handle it. But here, there's always a place of, okay, what's going on with this person? Let's try to understand. Let's figure this out. How are we, and what are we not understanding? What are we thinking about? Like, and we always tend to uh, sort of take it to that space first before pointing a finger or being uh, making accusations. And I think that that is something that that is very unique because I've been places where that does not exist. <laughs> so. The groovy thing <laughs> is that we all have respect for one another. And that's all. Word have the perseverance of wanting to connect and get through if there's a conundrum. So how do we, how does that, how do other people generate that? Like how does, what would be your thoughts on if you're coaching, let's say we're doing team coaching or oh, we didn't coaching. ask Anthony. Oh yeah. Sorry. Anthony, what makes us unique? <laughs> well, I, I was going to sort of jump off of what you were saying. I think sort of the benefits of, or what allows people to be weird or unique and more personable is sort of a smaller team. And we're a smaller team that gets a lot done. But as soon as the organizations get larger and larger, you tend to interact with people you don't know, and you don't get you that you don't show your weirdness, and they don't show their weirdness. And you tend to think of them less as people and more of like parts of a machine. And sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the oil and other times you just need to replace a part and it's kind of impersonal but with us very personal with all of us and we hang out on our free time too at least those of us in the west coast in the inland empire we do and you the raspberry anthony you just can't see me do it <laughs> but um 
Yeah, I think that's probably what makes us unique as well as sort of a smaller team of people. Um, we, we like, like each other. other. We know each other, yeah. Yeah, does, well, that's, great. that's important. <laughs> we, I'm sure, you know, if you've been through class with us, you've heard us mention it. Uh, we really, that kind of what you were speaking about, Anthony, dovetails into the fact as to why we consider ourselves family. It really genuinely feels like a family-oriented environment, which... Um, it's hard to accomplish without that type of vulnerability that we're speaking about. And uh, I agree, it's it's a very unique space to be in. Um, and it takes a little while too. too. Like Jerome wasn't very, I mean, he, he had to warm up a bit. Like I remember <laughs> Jerome was more closed off and he's definitely warmed up and opened up. And I think we all sort of had, it all comes at their own time, right? <laughs> That's gonna be true of clients, right? Mm -hmm. All clients are not gonna be able to be this, um, uh, soft and vulnerable and open, you know, until they get to see some flavor of who you are as a coach to know that they can uh, just start sharing. Can Part we, of, mm -hmm. oh, I just wanted to, on that note, like ask a question if I could. Because um, uh, I was speaking with a client uh, not too long ago about, you know, the, that process and that coaching and that going deeper kind of technique or thought where, you know, you start with a very surface kind of goal, but the reality is there's something much deeper. Um, and so how do you manage, I mean, is that something you should expect to always encounter as a coach? Is that deeper going that to that deeper? No, Dan, I see Dan shaking his head. Yes. Tell me, tell me more. <laughs> it's always there. there. There's always some driver underneath the thing out here. The client has to be ready to go there. They have to feel comfortable with the coach that to open up to going there and the client has to have the it's going to sound like a judgmental word it doesn't i don't mean it as a judgmental word the client has to have the emotional intelligence to be able to take that deep dive and it's something that when i was going through my pcc that my mentor shared with me at one point as she's saying as she's reviewing calls she's like you're operating here because one of your calls passed already. So I know that you can operate at this PCC level with coaching the who. Just because you're there doesn't mean that all your clients are. You've got to meet them where they are. And some of them might show up at more of the what level, which would be the more ACC level call where we're dealing with the thing they bring in versus the stories and everything else of who they are that's driving this issue. So it's, just devil's, devil's advocate. Um, that could drive a coach crazy if, if I'm PCC, if I'm trying to get my PCC and all my coaches are ACC or all my clients are ACC level. Like I would be like, what do I have? Do I have to put out a casting call? Like what do I need to do? Like, um, much. <laughs> yeah, that are putting together different coaching groups from ICF or, or spinoffs that they go, I'm going for my PCC. I need somebody that's ready for me to coach at a PCC level. So they will put that out there. And it happens, it gets done. Mm -hmm. It was a really um, interesting observation and it was just mind blowing. About how many clients I say out of a hundred would you say are at that PCC level as opposed to the ACC level? When they, when they first start? When they first start, maybe five. until <laughs> so we really warm up and get rolling. And then it's you know, two, three, four meetings downstream they're opening up and I'd say it's 75 to 75% or so better. So it's more, it just sort of takes some time because not everybody wants to be that open from the get go. I mean, I certainly am not comfortable with being that open with people. 
Um, even if I'm paying them for my services, uh, I tend to keep, keep things a little bit closed off. It, it goes to the conversational intelligence slide that we have in level one, where we start in, in that one conversation starts at distrust and comes around to co-create. The person calling you to come in probably isn't sitting at distrust because they wouldn't be calling you to engage. There's there's mm -hmm. somewhere higher up on the scale, but they're still not going to come in and just automatically do a verbal dump and share everything in their deepest, darkest secrets. Unless you're me. <laughs> well, I was also going to say, um, Lisa, with like couples coaching, like I would I would assume that one person in the relationship is more distrusting than the other. Um, it's, it's Do you find that to be the case? Yes and no, it depends. Um, it, a lot of the times if they've done this kind of work in the therapy side of things, mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, and I'm not saying anything against therapy, I'm totally for it, been there, done that a long time ago myself. Um, but they got what they felt as the raw deal. And so they're distrusting in coming into another experience where they feel like they're going to get ganged up on so when you mention that in that way there's reasons behind it not just because we're all new to one another or because of their partner necessarily mm -hmm. so it has to do with their interpretation of what they experienced and how's this frankly going to be different <laughs> and usually i would i would say 95 percent of the time they find that it is completely different because we don't live in that history stuff. We, I, they want to catch me up on what they're experiencing. So I call that tap back into the history so that they're sharing with me who they are. But as they start going down the path of exposure, I guess you would say, um, we have to work on what vulnerability means for them in the session what happens when they so we have to build a boundary just like we would in anything and in building that boundary if they keep and honor it can allow that trust to get moving really fast we have a question from a coach by the way um and she she said that she's uh, exploring going deeper um learning the fine line between someone who needs a coach and someone who might might need a therapist um, for trauma and deep wounds, and I get so she's she's asking uh, to sort of if you if we can expound upon that line if, if possible. So I can tell you with my couples, if they're coachable, they're going to work through things. They might take different speeds at it. They're going to make choices. They're going to choose things to do to forward the progress of their wholeness of themselves as well as their relationship. Someone who I will refer out is not creating the movement that they need to move past, let's call it an experience, then I will, what I call upsell the therapist because this becomes beyond my scope of practice. And that's what, the one thing is I always want to make clear when we have these discussions is that somebody who has trauma does not mean that they can't be coached. Someone who has had, you know, something happen in their past and been through some sort of trauma does not automatically mean they are only allowed to do therapy or anything of those right. on those along those lines. It's just that there has to be a degree of healing and progress that has been made from that trauma. 
Though so sometimes the individual in a couple have decided to trust me in that moment and they share something that's been traumatic. I honor them and thank them for their trust in me and um, acknowledge that, you know, I'm thinking of someone, I was the second person um, that was told about this very horrific traumatic event and they had never worked on this before. And so that's a really great place to introduce um, the therapist I referred to. Um, the other uh, person, go ahead. Has there a clear way to define that line? Because this is, I mean, we still, I mean, it's as there, is there, I'm just curious. I know that there, there is a white paper on this from ICF. They, that goes very they can take charge and make movement. They can yeah. be coached. If they're stuck and choose to, and I say choose loosely, I don't mean it is what it is. They're stuck in that traumatic event, then we cannot coach that. If they keep the basic definition, like if they keep going back to the past mm -hmm. and keep referring back there, we're not in coaching, mm -hmm. we're in therapy. So yeah. if they keep jumping in that pool, <clears throat> it's about moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. if it happened today, that is today and moving forward but if it's a traumatic event that they are in it's not our place to work and operate in i mean being somebody that's been through a trauma and has had some and uh, has ptsd um i will say like there are there's there are certainly things that i know that where i go okay this needs to be in therapy <laughs> um and then but i mean i have panic attacks and i but that doesn't mean i can't be coached it's just you know i know what that is in that moment i've come a tremendous leaps and bounds and it was actually lisa's coaching that helped me quite a bit through this um and so i i appreciate her for that to the nth degree so um and it was simply her asking and then i was like i know what you're doing now <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm forever appreciative. So um, I thank you for that. She said to be, uh, to, oh, so Jennifer said, to be specific, a parent asked me to coach her teen daughter for depression, but she's having suicidal thoughts and she's referred out. So yes, absolutely. With suicide, refer out. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred times over. <laughs> Even so with it's but, possible that you could still coach the teen, but not on that topic. Yeah. In that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing is you can always have a therapist coach team duo going on. You can, yeah, yeah that's possible. You both can be superheroes together. It's nice to um, pair up with a therapist that you can refer to while you're still working with the client on what you can work on. And with permission, of course, collaborate with how things are going. And I say with permission from the client, of course sign documents. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask how exactly would a coach go on to collaborate? Because I'm sure there's some things that um, I don't know much about the professional therapy, but there's probably some things you can't say and you have to keep confidential. There's things that you need to keep confidential. Is that something you would sit down, you, the therapist and the client and try to hash yeah. out sure. an agreement between all three of you? Sure. Possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ultimately, it's the client's information, mm -hmm. so they have to be on board with with the sharing. If if the if the coach and the therapist were ever going to have conversation, that the client 
needs to agree that they're allowed to and that happens before we ever have any any yeah. other conversation or be present i mean one or the other mm -hmm. so yeah uh -huh. i have more had the client share with me what their experience yeah not that i need to know uh -huh. but they wanted to share so that worked too yeah oh and so, i don't know oh go ahead go ahead yeah, <laughs> she said thank you for the feedback that. by the way <laughs> um so uh no so i'm gonna bring it back to a lighter topic because because i am <laughs> and that's back to our weirdness topic let's talk about weirdness one more time oh. what is the weirdest either thing you have what, what weird things have you seen out there for coat that coaches are doing that you just were like that is odd um and do you oh think it hurts? That, what? Uh, the the sleep the one that sleeps with you coach the um what do they call that nighttime coach a cuddle coach a cuddle coach a cuddle coach, <laughs> oh, coach. That's what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> and you have to sign these documents that it's not anything else. That all yeah. is happening is a cuddle. <laughs> is that coaching technically? <laughs> no, no, I can't imagine how that's coaching. <laughs> maybe, well, like, maybe the coaching happens while you're like cuddling in bed. Um, you're just like, it's, it's normal coaching otherwise. But instead of sitting in chairs opposite from each other, you're just laying in the same bed with each other. <laughs> I can tell you what I did one time that was weird in a coaching session. I don't know. It was one of those long days. Many people came through the door. It was in one of my different offices that um, we had several offices at the time and a big entrance. And uh, they came in and sat down and I kind of like, you know how you bump somebody, you're playing with your friend, you know, you kind of do the hip bump. I kind of just hip bumped them over and I was sat down and how you doing? <laughs> kind of looked at me and, I, and then they started laughing. How do I know I could get away with that? I don't know. I just did. But I, after I have thought years later, I mean, this is a long time ago. How did I get away? I got away with a lot of that kind of stuff because I am a silly, serious vulnerable, honest, connecting kind of person. And so that comes up. <laughs> uh, um, well, I have weird stories, but not so much from, well, I'm sure there are ones involving coaching and, and being consultant, but I used to teach scare school for a thousand monsters. So you can only imagine the weird things I did. <laughs> but what would be funny is we would, you know, you go along, every monster's in their place and um, we would come, uh, it naturally, it happens in every group. There's someone that is just, terrified to show you their monster like <laughs> like deer in the headlights terrified because we're going through and we're seeing how they're doing we're correcting we're giving them feedback and stuff and at that point my response was always to make the biggest fool of myself possible and whether it was to like pretend there were no bones in my arms and just flail, flail them back and forth or just make weird noises and just try to make myself the complete like just whatever the most embarrassing thing they could think of was um and get them laughing and that that uh that then often loosened them up that or I would just make them scream at the top of their lungs. And that also <laughs> helped loosen them up as well. Because a lot of times those the folks that are terrified, they just need to get that, like they just need to get it out, you know, and then get it going. And once they do, they're good. <laughs> so well, with, the, with the monster school, uh, that's sort of teaching people how to be comfortable with improv as well. It is, absolutely. And if, we, if we sort of link that to coaching, um, yeah. as a coach, you're not running off of a script like you have your sort of structure that you follow that you're comfortable with but you're pretty much improving the entire time and sounds like exactly. no earlier when she just sat down and hip bumped 
as an improvisational moment and it worked. Um, and you got to <laughs> maybe as a coach be more open to improvising and doing sort of different and, things, even if you have your comfortable techniques that you follow that you learn. With I think too, it's also like just being, being you, like being willing to sort of loosen up a little, get loosey goosey, get, you know, you don't have to be always so buttoned up. And if you show a goofy real side of you, then, then others will be more inclined to show their own as well. And I think that that's very important. I think, I know that Dan does it in class. I know that, I mean, that's also goes with admitting your failings I and mean, it's all these things. It's like, if you show that you are human, others will show they are human. Um, Cause well, then it's like, Oh, look at, they're on that level. I can do that too now. <laughs> Actually, that's definitely true, but there's always someone who will yes. look down on it because they were taught differently. Well, and we have to be that also helps in knowing your audience. That too. Yeah. What, yeah. Anthony? Oh, I was about to say this also helps in knowing who your audience and clientele are. Yes, knowing sure who your audience is. Yes. An executive CEO coach and you're coaching not to sort of loosen them up, but to, you know, do better in their business and professional environment. They might not like that sort of, you know, loosey goosey sort and of they environment. Still, they still do like the. But yeah, no, that is. The, um, maybe I wouldn't go up and hip bump them for sure. The, honestly, like I have worked with but executives, like, and they, they they want that because everybody all the time around them all the time is like, you know, yes sir, being being all buttoned up, and and the moment they get around somebody that they feel like they're equals with, you see that that walls come down, you see the joking come out, you see the real person come forward, and that's who they want to be around. That's when you get to the nitty gritty, gritty the real person, and so. I was always, that's where I was always trying to get with my, <laughs> I was always like, okay, I know if I'm joking around with them, I'm on a good level. And <laughs> so um, in, in my sessions, when we start laughing, I, I know that we're in a healing process because if they can start laughing through this together, we're going to come on the other side of things and have things start potentially having growth. Laughter is critical. <laughs> Dan, you're being awful quiet. He's being weird today. I'm being weird today. <laughs> I want to say back to back to the knowing your audience. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind too. You're not going to satisfy the entirety of even your Amen. ideal audience. Amen. Um, you are at acquired taste. Being, uh, being, <laughs> being mindful of that really, I think, can help you progress. Uh, if we're speaking about being in that marketing space, um, because you are to think in that manner as if you know you can satisfy everyone and you tiptoe moving in that way um you probably could be restricting yourself in in doing some pretty powerful things as far as you know your your marketing and all and that's concerned don't take it personal if somebody doesn't like yeah. you don't take it personal i mean that's really hard to do because it's, really everybody... it's one of the four agreements and Something that I highlight all the time. It's hard to not take personal. And I, I mean, I was queen of like, I will change everybody's mind. Um, like, uh, um, it's also though that that like, at some point you have to just go. It's okay. They, they don't get it now. They don't get it ever. They they just don't. They didn't get to see the whole me, or they don't quite understand who you are, and that's okay. They're in a different space. They're they're off doing whatever they're doing in their world. They're going to go, <laughs> that's fine, and just exist in yours and be for you and be for your people. Um, and that's really, I think, critical because- well, While that's not weird, it can be weird because a lot of people will live in that space of that self-judgment, self-deprecation. Did I say that correctly? Um, self- um, unworthy feeling. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, it's easy to get stuck there because we 
that the whole negativity bias thing of focusing on what's wrong mm -hmm. and oh somebody doesn't like me and there's like 500 who do we get focused on the one, the one. The that one. doesn't and <laughs> that the whole idea we've been talking about of don't take it personally when that person who doesn't get you doesn't become a client it's the best possible thing that could happen because if they do it's too much work it, it, it's it, oh my it, god it, yeah it's oh my so god <laughs> that's the other i mean like there have been time i have i have fired clients like i have been like where it's just been like i'm not i'm not doing this anymore carry on goodbye <laughs> like just mm -hmm. because it is it's that much work it's that much i mean and it's just like i can't this is more taking more out of my life than i'm willing to give right now and um that's okay too it's like so you're not always going to gel and you don't have to fit a square peg in a round hole you really don't Actually, that puts a different twist on this conversation of weird that I think younger, co newer coaches really need to hear because, and I remember, remember my sitting in that chair early on of like, for next client, got to get them. Um, it's not about them all the time. It's about you too. And when you're having that first conversation before they become a client, when they're a prospect, and they're wondering about working with you, you're interviewing them too. You're interviewing them to see if they're the right fit. It's not just about convincing and selling them mm -hmm. because if you're in that energetic of the conversation, it's very transactional and it becomes, yeah, there, there is the exchange of money for the work, but if you are not interviewing them and, and you're not listening to your intuition that we, we talk about in level two, be, be in your, not in your head overload or your heart overload of, I need a client right now. Be in the gut instinct of what feels right and let that guide you as to whether or not you want to work with this person because you absolutely have the right to say no. Yeah, that's a good example of the abundance mentality. Yes. Uh -huh. And this applies to like not just coaching, but I think like in dating as well or, you know, friendships, you might come off as desperate or needy and inauthentic if you're just like, I don't, you know, I don't care about this person's personality. I just need a client and that's uh -huh. the goal no matter what. If you sort of believe and also put out there that, you know, there's other clients out there, there is a person who's the best fit for me as a coach, the clients you do get are going to trust you a lot more mm -hmm. because they can see that you want to coach with them as well. So it's, it's not necessarily true that when you get a client and you go, nope, you never, ever have I said it this way. I'm saying it facetiously now. Nope, you need therapy. I had someone get so mad at me for suggesting that she, they sat there the whole hour, um, paid the nominal fee because they didn't pay any, hardly anything. Um, and I basically said, um, thank you for coming in. Thank you for sharing what you guys are talking about. That is beyond my scope of practice. Here's a gentleman that I refer to. He's amazing. He works much uh, well in this realm. Um, many of the clients I've sent there have done really well with him. This is, you know, essentially, I, and she walks to the door and she goes, well, when are we making our, I go, I, I can't make an appointment with you. Perhaps after you've seen him for a little while and you want to call me back, you're welcome to. All right, now this is not in my scope of practice. She's mad. 
he was really mad that I didn't invite them back. And that's all they can be, though, is mad. Like, yeah. What, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Like, you, you don't. I had, well, yeah, I had one client that I it turned away because I felt like she wasn't financially stable. Like, I, it just wasn't, it was a moral issue for me because I was like, I can't take money from you right now. You, you, that money needs to be going towards, and you need a little more experience too. It just was, with what we were working on, she just needed more experience under belt. She was too green too. It just wasn't going to work. And she was frustrated that I did that. And she was, but I was like, but I said, go get, go get some experience and come back. And then let's talk. But right now where we stand, I don't feel right. I don't feel like this is the right fit or the right match. And um, uh, I still feel right. Like, I'm still glad I did that. Like, I still, you know, there's no regret there um, whatsoever. Just because, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, I guess with what I do, too, it's just I feel like sometimes people, they've got, you got to, I just can't take money when that money isn't there. I don't want to put anybody in debt when they're working for me, like, uh, with me. Like, I don't want that to happen. Um and I start start to get sort of morally bothered at that point. <laughs> and I know there are coaches out there that, that you know, will say, you know, go open a credit card. Go, I cannot be that person. I can't be that person. I just can't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't want anybody to go. So there's a student a long time ago. He was really gung-ho to do everything right, get the top of everything. He got a really great office space. He thought he had great um, connections and network. He was in the music industry and he thought he was going to just be grabbed up and busy, busy, busy. He spent top dollar on everything. I'm proud of him for his, his attitude though. Like I'm proud of him for that. Like I'm, I got this go getter. <laughs> and then he went bankrupt because whatever didn't happen, didn't happen. And yeah. while he did jump in with both feet, I feel like he had some blinders on in the process. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did not test the waters first. He did not, you know, there's a lot of things he didn't do. Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't even say business. You have to do. It's a business. And this I would. Yeah. I would say too, I mean, obviously, no matter what, regardless of business, the biggest thing with business is the and it, surviving is being able to adapt, is being able to adjust, mm -hmm. is is if you go into a plan married to anything when it comes to business, besides, I mean, yes, you want to figure something out, figure out what you're selling, there's some very, but you're going to have, there's going to be flex, there's got to be. Um, I, I was funny, I, so I recently, my mom saved a report that I wrote from when I was in I think it was 18, like just out of college. And I wrote about entrepreneurship and I used an example of a friend of ours that we knew that had, he had six failed businesses, like six failed businesses on his seventh. He was worth $500 million. Um, but six failed businesses prior to that. So, um, and, and he was just resilient and that's that flexing and knowing to adjust and also knowing when to let go of the, of those things and, and move on to the next, thing and and knowing that sometimes you got to let go you got to let go of that 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 um you know weight around your ankle before it drags you down <laughs> so um yeah but that doesn't mean that i mean you can't flex into a new space that uh, doesn't mean that we all want any of our businesses to fail by no no not at all we all I mean, go in with the intention of it being successful wanting it to be successful and doing what we know best in the moment um, it just becomes a learning experience because what we know in the moment is not what we learn <laughs> down the road necessarily. When COVID hit, we were we were in person. 
completely. And within two weeks, we were online, <laughs> virtual. And that, I mean, that was a quick flex and adaptation for us and not something uh-huh. anybody was used to any of us. I mean, I mean, we figured it out, but we, I mean, we had dress rehearsals and we had, <laughs> Jerome got brought on as stage manager, and <laughs> um, uh, which is all my theater background coming forward. Um, and then, uh, but that's, but we flexed, right? We let go of what was not going to serve us any longer. And we flexed into a new space. Um, Dan, you're so quiet. <laughs> it's all being covered. I'm, 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 I'm wearing my coaching hat today. I'm doing my like apparently. <laughs> but yeah, that that was awesome shift. I remember that really well of going into the space of facilitating online, and I remember us all being nervous of like, how's this going to work? And it's oh, been it, awesome. I love doing dress rehearsals. Like I love when us we were like testing out the things that we do in like class in person. How is this going to work online? Like <laughs> that was those was probably some of my favorite memories. And, and, and the main reason that we kept testing it and trying to do that is because we wanted the same feeling that people were getting in class to translate into an inanimate object online kind of thing. And because of who we are and the effort each one of us, every one of us put in, um, well, and Brooke, and Brooke really got us on that online platform rather quickly as well. It just brought it together beautifully. And the still emotional connection that we all get in the training while learning is still fabulous. And I will not take full credit for that because it could not have been done without anybody and everybody and no way, there's no way, there's absolutely no way. So. That transition was the, the level of flexibility amongst all of us was mm-hmm. just out of this world. I think we allowed ourselves to kind of um, be able to run into roadblocks and not let them scare us. We had the team and, you know, whenever something like that would come up, we had the ability to get over it, get across it. And I feel like in some instances, get excited about the roadblocks. Oh, like, I love it. Hey, no. How are we, how are we going to get around this one? That's my jam. Like that is my, I get like, that is what, like, I get so it's just my, my dad's the same way. It's like, Oh, wait, there's a challenge. I'm in <laughs> like, uh, now it's time. Things are going to get interesting. Um, and so that's, I mean, it's very much like the outlier thing. Like it might disrupt the system, but, but at the same time, you know, you can't, you got to acknowledge it. At least in that when, you spoke also, about anything is possible, Brooke, which in a sense, I, I believe, to be true. I mean, anything is possible. I, I think that also adheres to what we're speaking about, our uniqueness, our weirdness, is we are definitely what we practice, we preach, we are that, we are flexible in the moment. We might get scared or nervous, just like everybody else, but we don't stay stuck for very long. We're like, I, I have, right now I have the picture of um, the Flintstones in the car where they like doing the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. we have a uh, cat has joined us <laughs> it's I forgot the- what your cat's name is Anthony it's just mama cat mama cat <laughs> didn't name her but she adopted me yeah. <laughs> um Speaking about COVID-19, I think that's a good idea because like weirdness isn't just an attribute that people have. It's a, you know, an attribute of the world. And I guess the COVID-19 sort of uh, pandemic was a weird event. And I guess in like 
academic terms would be known as a black swan event where <laughs> it's just out of the blue and how people sort of adapt to weird events like that yeah. uh, can make it break you and the more weird and flexible you are and open to rapid adjustment and change um you're far better off and you can grow from it like we have too i'm gonna build on top of that and say too like yes it's a life thing it's also a marketing thing um i've always said with marketing that that it's it's not something you just put in a place and it just goes it's an eating breathing living thing because marketing is based on people so you have to have your like when i'm in the pocket when i'm when i'm on the pulse like it is like i'm on the pulse of it's the people it's the audience and those things that can shift and change and move and it can move quickly and so that's why it's important to always sort of be in your business involved in some way at least and on the pulse or at least trust somebody that can be uh because some it's critical that somebody is there and, and understanding what's going on with the people and that means and we fine. change too I mean, yeah we, do we, too. we as as our as we grow and evolve in in our roles as coaches i'm not the same person i was five years ago let alone even a year ago that that's why the marketing is changing up so much because i'm not the same person and i that's so that's what's cool about that is you don't have to be married to anything like you don't have to get married to your unique thing Back it, can, it can evolve it can adapt it will evolve it will adapt it will grow it will change so for new coaches that are like scared i'm i'm, I'm going to be stuck in this doing this one thing i'm not going to get to everybody we don't know that because you're going to change things might change things might move things might progress and um uh while we harp on you to pick a niche and stay in one lane in one spot that that doesn't mean that you shouldn't also be uh listening and understanding what's going on with yourself and with your client and with everything going on out there too so final I've got thoughts, a duck guys. away we're about yeah, done I'm... yeah so we're all done <laughs> so <laughs> final thoughts bye dan thank you for being here see you thank you <laughs> be well everyone happy birthday brooke thank you <laughs> uh so on that note final final thoughts does anybody coach cats? <laughs> Jennifer Snyder asks. Oh, that's funny. I'm sure somebody out there does. I'm sure there's a cat yeah, trainer. I don't know about a cat coach. <laughs> I don't. I don't know anybody that we've taught. I try to cats. I, I try to coach my cats, but I'm just no good at it. <laughs> they, they are just. We know someone who uses horses as a tool in their coaching. Yes, we do. We do. Um, but I don't know if she coaches the um, the horses themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have people who coach that use dogs as well. Yeah, it's a it's an oxytocin. <laughs> All right, okay. so I'm gonna just uh, so okay. see my cat. That's <laughs> <laughs> a real flexibility. Just saying. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for watching our loosey goosey topics. Uh, thank you for interacting with us. Jennifer Snyder, you're awesome. Um, glad we could help you. And make sure you share, comment, like, all of that good stuff. And check out Certified Life Coach Institute. And everybody wish Brooke a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Stop it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4.30.
4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.